Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, this is uh, TMC Connect. Uh, we have uh, an exciting conversation about uh, benchmarking. We're going to look at uh, 2020 as well as uh, forward to 2021. We've got Britt Haven and John Sayre with us from FBX Informa, and uh, they're going to be giving us uh, some uh Information, information and statistics. So thank you all for being here. I'm going to tell you that we are recording. Um, you will get a follow-up email and uh, a link to the recording tomorrow. So I uh, very much appreciate it. I'm Tony Bramley. I'm uh, the Business uh, Development Coordinator at TMC. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Britt and let her um, introduce uh, she and John. Awesome. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, everyone. Appreciate you all taking some time to uh, join us today. Um, I see some familiar uh, names on the list. So, uh, but for those of you that we don't know, uh, my name is Britt Haven. I am the uh, sales director of Lending Solutions, uh, part of the mortgage team uh, here at Informa FBX. I've been with the company for a little over a year, uh, been in the industry for a little over 10 years. Um, kind of on the vendor side, uh, unless you want to count my college internship at New Century Mortgage uh, as an experience on the lender side. But um, uh, I'll be kind of going through the first half of the the, uh, the slides today. And then um, John Sayre, who is our VP of Client Success, uh, will be running the second half. Um, John's been in the mortgage industry for over 30 years uh, prior to joining Informa FBX. Uh, he's run capital markets for several uh, large large lenders. Uh, so he sat in y'all's shoes and um, actually used our, used our data. John, do you want to pick to the next slide? And then uh, we'll be leading the bulk of the webinar. However, we might have a few uh, guest appearances from our counterparts, uh, Paisley and Gunner. They tend to like to chime in from time to time. So uh, if you hear them in the background, that's just them uh, saying saying hi. And so um, today we're going to be looking at um, some data from, from 2020, um, kind of some highlights of what happened in the mortgage market in 2020 and how to prepare for the changing market in 2021. Um, so I'm going to spend a few minutes here going over some key understandings from 2020. Um, you know, there's a lot that happened aside from just uh, historical uh, volume. Um, and then John's going to kind of correlate that to how to apply those learnings and best practices into 2021. Great. Um, before we before we jump in, just a little bit about the data that we're going to be going over, uh, kind of how we get our data, where it comes from. Um, all the data is is lender source. Um, our lenders, uh, part of the consortium, they provide weekly app lock and funding data. Um, it makes up about 55, a little bit more of retail mortgage origination. Um, and it's a combination of national and regional banks, uh, independent mortgage bankers, and credit unions. Um, again, it's all lender sourced, uh, makes up over 55% of the retail market. Uh, we do have correspondent and wholesale as well, but we're going to be focusing on retail uh, for today's, today's call. Um, but what that means is that it's, it's a statistically significant amount of data, uh, again, real time, over 55%, and um, it you know, allows, allows our clients to use the benchmark to better understand market share, operational efficiencies, business mix, pricing competitiveness, uh, which we'll talk about some to, today in this, in this call. So real quick, kind of a 2020 in review, uh, just overall, um, this is uh, the totals for retail. Um, and again, it's based on our our data, so it's you know about 55% or so of the uh, retail uh, retail origination. 
Um, in 2020, we tracked a little over 1.1 trillion in retail funding. Um, overall, including wholesale correspondent, it was uh, roughly about two trillion. Um, that's about a 68% year-over-year growth on the retail side. Um, breaking it down, about 65% uh, branch business, 35% call center. Uh, you'll see call center was up by uh, you know, 138%, um, pretty significant, three times the branch volume. Um, you also see the lender type, about 45% financial institutions, 55% mortgage bankers. Uh, so you'll see IMBs really, uh, you know, they they grew by about 112%, um, which also kind of correlates to the to the decentralized or the uh, centralized, excuse me, um, growth as well. Um, and part of that too is is their their velocity, their ability to um, you know close loans a little bit faster than um, overall on average on banks. So again, kind of where they're picking up that market share. Um, no surprise that refis rate and terms are up by 180%. Um, but stayed about uh, or it's about 51%. So there are still 36% purchase, which was up by about 14%. And then cash out refis were up by about uh, 20, 26%. Um, you know, so uh, obviously, you know, this is the whole, the whole year, um, depending on what, how you cut it and where you looked, uh, you know, the, the liquidity crisis in, in March had a big impact on the market, but, uh, you know, the business mix kind of shifted back towards more normalcy, um, as, as the year went on. And then obviously everyone's, you know, enjoying historic, uh, historical margins. So again, that's a high level overview of, of 2020 from a national standpoint. Um, the next slide is. Um, going to be just West Coast. So West Coast is Texas, or sorry, I keep saying West Coast, but yeah, Western Western U.S. Um, so that's the West, uh, Texas, Texas over, Texas West. Um, all the states that we included are, are listed up at the top. Um, so again, from our our database, uh, which again makes about 55% of the of the retail market, um, the West Coast was at about 55, uh, 552 billion. Um, for funded volume to about 77%, so a little bit higher than than the average for the country. Um, centralized or decentralized branch was at 70, centralized was at 30. So there's a little bit heavier shift uh, towards the branch than the um, than the call centers. But uh, again, call centers were up by 148%. So again, still so close in line with with the national averages. Um, a little higher on the mortgage banking mortgage banking side, um, but then pretty. Uh, pretty similar uh, to the national averages for purchase and refi and cash out volume. Um, we'll go into this in a little bit more. Um, no surprise, California had the largest the largest volume um, over over the year, but uh, surprisingly, it was on the on the low end for growth. Um, Alaska actually grew by about 108 percent year over year. Um, and again, we'll talk a little bit more as we as we get through uh, some of these other slides. So shifting gears. Um, we're going to take a look at refi turn times. Uh, we've broken it out into conforming, government, and non-conforming, and we're just focusing on on refi, refi business because that really is, you know, when it comes to turn times, the variable component. Um, you have a little less control over purchases, but refis you can. Um, this is overall for the entire country. Um, a look over the last, you know, rolling 13 months. Um, You'll see that uh, cycle times for conforming business, conforming refi, um, you know, they were, at, you know, kind of in the mid, uh, low 60s to start the year off, dip down pretty low in, in March, again, because of the economic and liquidity issues and everything. And then 
obviously continued to grow up and, and kind of stood around 75 days. It's been kind of the average for the last, the last few months. Um, and again, this is kind of the overall for, for the country. Looking at the last six months of the year, um, the average turn time was uh, about 71 days. For the West Coast, it was about 70 days. Uh, so the West Coast was actually uh, closing uh, funding, conforming loans a little bit faster than the average for the second half of the year. And again, I kind of looking at the second half to take out that, that big dip that we saw in March. Um, Utah was, uh, for the second half of the year, was the, the uh, shortest turn times, uh, 61 days. Um, Arizona was uh, close behind it at, at 63. And then Idaho, Kansas, and Nevada were 65 days. So um, those are kind of the top, the top five. Uh, slowest turn times in, uh, in the West Coast were um, North Dakota was the slowest at 84 days. Um, and then Alaska was 83, Hawaii 81. Um, overall fastest in the U.S was uh, Utah at 61 days. So the West Coast was the fastest. Uh, slowest was about 90 day, 99 days in New York. Um, so again, this is just conforming refi business um, from, our, from our benchmark, which again is about 55% of, of, of retail originations. Then looking at government refis for retail, um, you'll see you know, similar, similar trends, uh, but obviously about 20, 20 days faster than conventional. Um, the average for the last uh, six months was about 54 days. The West Coast was a little bit higher on the government side at 58 days. Um, for government refis, uh, the, over the last six months, uh, Montana was the fastest at 46 days. Uh, Nebraska was right behind it. At, uh, Nebraska, excuse me, and Kansas were right behind it at about 49 days. Um, slowest were uh, New, Me with New Mexico at 79 days. Um, the overall fastest uh, app to fund time across the U.S. for, for government loans were uh, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, and Montana were tied at 46 days, and then the slowest was New York at 80. Um, then the last month, so the first, the first month of, uh, of 2021, um, average, average uh, GovE turn times about 55 days, so slightly higher than, than the last six months, but only by a day. Um, and the fastest was uh, Wisconsin coming in at 36 days, and uh, slowest was uh, Alaska coming in at 101 days. So if we're going to take a look at non-conforming, um, no surprise here. Uh, obviously, non-conforming has a little bit higher, uh, longer, longer turn time uh, averages across across the country. Um, you know, averaging in uh, you know around 90 days um, across the country uh, for the last six months averaging about 95 days uh, across the U.S. Um, just for the West Coast, they averaged about 100, 100 days for non-conforming. The fastest uh, on the West Coast were, uh, or the West west side of the country were uh, Kansas and South Dakota at 76 days. Um, slowest were uh, was Nebraska at uh, 198 days. Um, and then looking at, you know, kind of the last four weeks, again, the first, the first month of uh, 20, 2021, um, turn times were actually uh, across the country for non-conforming were down a little bit, 89 days. However, the West was actually up to 102 days. Um, but that probably has something to do with Nebraska having a uh, turn time of uh, 304 days on average for non-conforming. Um, so again, slight shift over the last the last month, but overall, you know, kind of hovering at that 90, you know, around 90, 90 plus days for for non-conforming. And again, no no surprise 
no surprise there. So then um, jumping into some kind of business mix, um, looking at what products were originated in 2020. Um, uh, again, this is looking at the, the, whole, the whole country's volume. Um, you know, you'll see that, uh, no, no surprise that obviously the, the, the conforming 30 year was the, the largest product. Um, however, you know, its growth was 82%, which is, uh, is pretty good. I mean, wouldn't complain about that, but you'll notice that the conforming 15 year agency jumbo 30, VA Earl, conforming 20, VA jumbo, you know, 30 year, we're all up by over a hundred percent. Uh, I mean, the VA Earl 30 year was almost, you know, 287, almost you know, 300, 300%. Um, so, you know, those products really grew significantly uh, this, this past year. And again, no surprise that the conforming 15 year grew as much with rates being as low as they, they were, um, you know, and then obviously the non-conforming products, uh, you know, did not grow nearly, nearly as much. And again, you know, due to some of the economic and liquidity issues beginning of the year and people, you know, kind of pulling out of doing some of that, that non-conforming business. Mm-hmm. And then last slide I'm going to uh, co- cover before I hand it over to John. Um, this is looking at specifically the West, the Western uh, states of the U.S., um, their overall uh, volume by state um, and looking at it compared to uh, the, the prior year. So, um Again, some of the biggest growth states were Utah, Oklahoma, North Dakota, all growing um, by, you know, 90, 90 plus percent. Um, you know, California, though its volume was the largest, uh, almost uh, half a billion just in California. For, and again, this is all, all retail funded. You know, they only grew, it only grew by 53 percent. Um, you know, and again, that's probably, you know, a result of... Um, a lot of lenders, you know, pulling back on, on jumbo lending, um, and such, but, um, but again, a lot of growth in, in some of those other States, again, almost, almost by 90, 90%. Um, so again, this is just kind of a high level recap of what's happened, you know, what happened in 2020. Um, once we're off this call, if any of you would like to, uh, get a copy of the, of the deck or like any additional information on any of the other, other states or something in more detail, please, uh, please reach out to either myself or John, and we'll be happy to get that, uh, get that to you. Um, and with that, I'm going to hand it over to John to walk through, um, you know, kind of how to prepare for 2021 and how we can leverage some of this data to uh, do that. And John, this is Tony, before you get started, um, just a reminder, if you've got any questions, uh, please drop them in the chat or the Q&A. Um, I can voice those for you or raise your hand and I can unmute you and um, you can ask um, those questions to John or Britt. Uh, Britt, I did have a question, you know, given the, the March economic events, um, how did the average credit scores trend for the balance of the year? Great question. John, I think you might have a little bit more sure. You might have yeah. some more data um, you that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so as as you saw, the production uh, changed dramatically there in March. Uh, we had some credit score cliffs, if you will, where you know less than six forty, less than six eighty, uh, became um, non-existent. Uh, some lenders, though, uh, were a little bit slow to the party, and we certainly saw some folks sticking out uh, for a period of time until they normalized to the market. Uh, but the good news, as we've seen in the non-QM market and uh, other markets, that you know things loosened up a bit. Uh, so certainly, we saw a recovery um, into um, 
you know, some of the lower credit scores, but there were still some pretty hard uh, cuts where you don't see much at all, if any, under 620 for conforming and uh, governments as well. And um, certainly uh, in the jumbo side of things, uh, the the best credits uh, just getting processed, really people focusing on the easy to do loans and not so much on the hard to do loans. Uh, but we did see um, the credit trends uh, loosen up a bit uh, towards the uh, second la- uh, half of the year. Thank you. Sure. All right. Well, Britt, thanks for sharing uh, some of the highlights for 2020. Uh, certainly a landmark year, I don't think, like any other that we've experienced, in, at least in my, as you said, 35 years of what I've seen, um, uh, like no other uh, in lots of different ways. Um, Certainly the market growth across uh, the states, the products, um, and the loan purposes has been uh, extraordinary. Uh, But what we're uh, looking to do here is take some of what we uh, learned in the last year and apply that to 2020. And uh, as we know, as we've seen, as I've seen through many business cycles uh, since I started in 1986, um, you know, three main things can happen. Volumes can Kind of stay where they are, uh, or rates can go down, and we can get even. So maybe we see one percent increase, you know, one percent loans. Who knows? Um, or um, you know, rates can come up a bit, and then you know, the rate and term refinances could drive up, drive down a bit. We, you know, we saw about half the market is rate and term refinances from what Brit showed. So we need to plan for those eventualities. But other than just at a macro level, thinking about yeah, that this or that could change. Thinking uh, more in terms of you know best practices to get ahead of that and to uh, to react to that in near real time and what we would put on the table and we we deal with um, probably seventy of the top hundred lenders in the country um, in all sorts of different ways and have some visibility I think into best practices and things that we've seen that have, um, may be useful for you all to hear the TMC members to hear today. Um, I would say, and, and, and put it near the top of the list, uh, establishing metrics, whatever those metrics are, if it's five different metrics, 10 different metrics, whatever it is, as a company, you're looking at those uh, data points, whether it's every week or every month, and really seeing what's changed period over period. Um, you know, where are things sticking out and how ought we um, um, respond to that? Uh, best practice, again, would be to involve all stakeholders, so secondary and production have the same lens into the market. And I think, um, you know, there's uh, oftentimes a, a push-pull on the secondary versus production side, um, at least in normal markets, maybe not so much last year, uh, but normal markets. And I think a lot of that can be mitigated uh, by folks having a common lens into the market and how the, the companies actually uh, performing. Uh, the risk side uh, operations as well, and I'll get into some cases around that. Operations. So thinking about uh, your value proposition to the market, uh, obviously price is one of your value points, but this last year has really been, uh, a lot of it has been around process. Uh, even though it's taking uh, longer than normal to get loans pushed through, think of the historic efforts that have happened this year to get borrowers into lower interest rates and get their loans closed on time for purchase transactions. Uh, but you know, if you or one of those lenders that Britt was sharing with us earlier that has gone from 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 or higher uh, number of days for your refinances, 
I think it's important to have that uh, number as a relative number relative to others and really understand um, across different products, whether it's Govy loans, conventional or jumbo, um, how are your cycle times um, uh, responding uh, relative to others and tracking that in the market. And I think a lot of that uh, can be applied towards if you're one of those that, that are doing better than market, you know, it's, it's certainly a recruitment and retention tool for loan officers. And yes, they're uh, getting loans uh, pushed through is slower, but not as slow as others. And having that um, understanding on your operations, I think is significant. The other thing I'll mention, uh, my background is pre- primarily secondary marketing, um, used to hedge positions and put, you know, pull through numbers in for hedge ratios and all that. But even if I got those ratios perfect, uh, if I was pulling through less than other lenders, that's an operational itch issue and therefore the need to have that as an operational metric, uh, operational pull through. Um, you know, obviously if you are able to, um, if you're running 70% pull through in the benchmark, others are running 80%, that raises your costs of origination. From a market share standpoint, and I, I steal this one from Britt, uh, when she joined us uh, about a year ago, she basically said, well, what you what you do at uh, Informa boils down to, it's like a football game. You know, the Buccaneers, if they score 24 points uh, in the Super Bowl game, you know, is that good or bad? And the question, the answer is, well, if they score more than, you know, if the, if, if the Chiefs score 20 points, it's great. If the Chiefs score 35 points, it's not so great. So really understanding, even though your volume may have been up 50% last year or in a normal year, maybe 10%, what have you, uh, is that good or bad? Uh, you know, your volume perhaps uh, in January, maybe it's down 20%. Well, if the benchmark, if other lenders are down 30%, you actually gain share. And having that visibility for production and secondary, I think is critical for lenders to um, have those, make good conversations around their pricing and so forth. It's really about transparency into performance and uh, really getting production and secondary on the same page and having those market share metrics, wherever you get them from, uh, I think is uh, super critical. Business mix. Uh, when Britt put up on the list there, uh, hey, conforming was up, conventional 30-year conforming was up, whatever it was, 34%, and Earls were up 300%, and all those different uh, uh, increases from last year. Uh, it makes me think of, you know, if you're, you think, think you you probably sell five products, you know, year in, year out. And if you were a retail store and you sold five products, your objective wouldn't be to sell more of one at the expense of the other. It wouldn't be a zero sum game. You'd want to sell more of everything or at least optimize your market opportunity in any given uh, year. So the idea here is really to drill down into product level and understanding your share of market for each product to make sure you're not really thinking things as a zero sum game. And that, of course, would go for this year, you know, this coming year, if rates do uh, back up a bit and the purchase market um, becomes hyper competitive, you know, how are you monitoring your share of the purchase market? How are you validating that um, if year over year we saw purchases were up 14% in the benchmark, um, are you protecting your share of market in the purchase side of things? Obviously, high balance loans for the the, the coasts uh, is really important to monitor. 
But I would say one of the things that is really impressed upon me here uh, in working with lenders uh, as we do closely is really understanding their business mix across uh, different loan attributes. So for portfolio lenders, for those of you that uh, may retain some loans in the portfolio, uh, understand your risk mix uh, across uh, loan attributes. Uh, Certainly for government lenders, you want to be uh, uh, aware of your neighborhood watch score and and where your uh, credit scores are are, uh, falling out relative to uh, other uh, lenders. Price position. I would say the biggest story last year or the biggest conversation we had with lenders was around those cycle times on refinances. And the parallel conversation was around refinance pricing. Uh, we saw some lenders, and I have this, you ought to know when, uh, we saw large national lenders dialing back their refinance pricing one, two, three points. And I think it's really important for your organization, even if you choose not to do such a thing to understand that major market players are dialing back their refinances um, significantly, their refinance pricing for obvious reasons. And we did see a significant migration of market share just for this whole topic here around refinances. So clarity in understanding of price position across purchases versus refinances, and then an awareness as to where others are basically filled up and getting out of the market. Sticker price versus actual locks. You know, there's uh, the concession activity uh, that uh, happens in normal markets, less so last year, obviously. Uh, But what I would share uh, is just in the conversation we're having with a good number of lenders, because we track concession behavior as well um, among our uh, clients, is really understanding and shining a light on concession behavior at the loan officer level. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of different um, business models out there in terms of price authority um, and um, our opinion and and conversations we've had is uh, there can be drastic differences, uh, loan officer to loan officer in terms of their uh, concession activity. And that has major implications to our next topic, which is margin management and having insights into uh, that part of the business. If I were to say, if I knew then what I know now, um, the margin management function, I think uh, for many lenders is underappreciated. Personally, I spent in secondary marketing the predominant amount of my time, the majority, far majority of my time on the sell side, the best sex side. Where could I sell loans in the secondary market? How can I get the lowest uh, guarantee fees from Fannie Freddie, doing buy-ups and buy-downs, specified pools, all the wonderful things that uh, you would do on the secondary marketing side to optimize your sales, uh, much less time on the buy side. And there is an uh, argument to be made for many lenders, and many lenders are in this camp, where the, those functions are completely separate, uh, where the buy side is managed separately from the sell side. The buy side, of course, is where you're pricing Uh, loans into the market. Uh, We do see uh, lenders uh, with great margin variability uh, by loan attributes, Uh, whether that's loan amount, uh, whether it's uh, credit score on government loans, whether it's uh, uh, portfolio loans. Uh, We do see uh, a lot of variability purchase versus refinance uh, being the best example last year. And the really the, the function here and the understanding is that the 
the secondary market uh, price isn't necessarily correlated to the buy side um, uh, side of the equation um, where loans are being originated, where margins are being set. And that margin man- management function uh, as it sits today can uh, reside in the corporate side uh, and also in the regionals with regional uh, production folks and certainly even at the loan officer lender level where people are making concession um, decisions all day long. So really that uh, what we're seeing in terms of best practice and it will come into play uh, next, you know, this year if margins uh, start um, compressing, uh, what, what metrics do you have in place to monitor margins other than the fact that you heard from a loan officer that they lost the deal? You know, what, what sources uh, do you have? What data sources do you have, uh, regardless of what they are, for you to be able to uh, know in real time uh, that mark margins are under uh, pressure? So takeaways. Britt mentioned our dogs earlier, our chief operating officer ate the takeaways. And I think Britt, that the chief risk officer, your dog Gunner ate your lunch today. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we close the the loop on that, Uh, but I do actually have some takeaways. So really uh, just four four thoughts Uh, and please shoot any questions um, while we go through this. If anybody wants to have us dig deeper in the data or what have you or talk about last year or this year. Uh, transparency into the market uh, enables, you know, informed view and good decision making. Um, you know, data, data driven decisions. You know that that is the direction we are all going in. Uh, data um, and in the contracting market. If we do end up in the contracting market, uh, data will will uh, guide you best uh, potentially in making good decisions around um, your business. I really, really do uh, think regular business reviews to see period over period, okay, these are the metrics that we set, um, whether it's market share, whether it's business mix, whether it's the operational cycle times, uh, whether it's your price position, being able to see across your markets, across your products, across loan attributes, where are you sticking out, what changed, and how ought you as a uh, cross-functional team uh, address those um, changes. And then just that proactive, um, you know, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if that happens as opposed to reacting to what did happen? Um, You know, we have this review mirror for 2020, hopefully 2021, looking forward out through um, the future, anticipating those different business environments and leveraging your data sources, whatever those might be, uh, to uh, optimize that. I know our, our good friends at TMC have um, invested considerably into uh, benchmarking uh, for many of your operational um, details, costs originate and so forth. And that's fantastic. Um, Think of us as the, I don't know, the next step in that uh, continuum in terms of what we do. As Britt mentioned, we track about 55% of all originations across the country. And we've been doing this benchmarking uh, for, you know, a couple of decades. So, uh, appreciate your attention. Hopefully some good data that you may have learned um, to think how to put your performance in context in 2020 and just a couple thoughts for 2021. Excellent. 
Thanks, John. Thanks, Britt. I, I do have a couple of more questions, but wanted to um, uh, let the audience know if you've got any questions, please type those into the chat and um, we will take those as you type them in. Um, one question, uh, John. So with the purchase data we saw you know, across the country, it was 14% uh, uh, was the increase, but um, did that happen um, with both government and conventional loans? Yeah, we saw, and I'll just flip back to some of those slides. So as you mentioned, we saw very considerable, well, uh, for national, we saw purchase up uh, 14% um, and then rate and term, you know, up and even cash out up much more than obviously purchase. Uh, but that didn't happen equally among the different products. So when we go down looking at the amount of, growth that we saw, for example, in VA Earls, and we saw that in FHA refinances as well. The growth on the Govy side was considerably a refinance story. Um, purchase governments basically held serve year over year. We were about flat year over year on, um, on government purchases. And then for conforming, uh, we saw a really nice lift in conforming purchases and um, for um, conforming refinances, obviously, but not not as much growth as we saw in government on refinances uh, for conventional. And then jumbo uh, was just jumbo, uh, hard to do. And a lot of this is, is, is really driven around, you know, how, how can you get loans through the pipe, right? Where you're going to go to what's easiest to do and, you know, purchase transactions for conventional, you know, easier to do than govies. Um, refinance govies, super easy to do with the reduced documentation and uh, non-conforming loans as we saw are, are I, we even hate to tell you what, um, you know, numbers. Nebraska. numbers <laughs> On the jumbo side for refinances <laughs> in New York, I mean, there some lenders were running 120, 130 days to get a loan through, a jumbo loan through on a refinance. So, um, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, it makes sense. Thank you. And then um, you you mentioned that uh, some lenders, you know, they're they're leveraging the data almost as a, a, a best in class. You know, what are some uh, I don't know examples of using that data to make it actionable? Sure. Um, so when we think about, you know, I'd, I'd give that example of hey, volume was down twenty percent. Is that good or bad? Um, you know be good. You don't know. Um, right. Corollary to that, I can think back um, in my experience where, you know, as a uh, organization, we say, hey, we're going to run a purchase special. We're going to do it in this state for a month. We're going to knock a point off and I'm sitting around the table and there's a CFO over there and there's a CEO and there's a head of production and the CFOs puts up his hands and we're just going to give away margin, aren't we? And we all look around and we're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure, but we're going to run a purchase special, right? So we run a purchase special and volume's up 10%. It's like, okay, great. Um, but was that attributable to what we did? And uh, a good uh, business case uh, example uh, that we had with one of our clients here, uh, they did uh, a margin reduction last summer and it was an across the board margin reduction. Uh, and we, uh, well, they calculated that given that margin reduction, they would have to do 10% more business to be revenue neutral. 
and which is great. So they made the change. We looked at their market share before the change, and we looked at it after the change, and their volume went up 25%, which sounds really good. Uh, and then we looked at, well, they're up 25, but what was the benchmark up? Well, the benchmark was up 10%. So they were able to see, hey, look, I outpaced the benchmark, everybody else, by 15%, right? And my my revenue break-even hurdle was a 10% increase. So I actually overperformed. So you can look across the table at the CFO and say, guess what? Not only did we were we revenue neutral, we actually gained revenue on that price, that margin move. And we got 15% more volume than we otherwise would have gotten if we hadn't made the price move. So now production happy, the finance is happy. And, um, you know, so, so, uh, so on and so forth. So a really good example of trying to take whatever the source, data source, being able to benchmark what you're doing, holding people accountable. So if we do go in and say we're going to make a, a, a margin move or do a policy change around concessions or whatever it is, um, being able to hold people accountable for the performance after you made that change. Qualifying and quantifying using benchmarking. Love it. Uh, yes, and uh, TMC does believe very much in benchmarking. We do have a TMC benchmark for those who want to compare themselves to other members of TMC. Um, one of the platforms that we have also is Ask TMC. So if you've got questions, you can um, come back to, to that platform as well. And uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Britt, very much um, for all the information that you've shared with us. Um, if you guys were not able to uh, join the um, East eastern part of the country uh, call a little earlier today, it will be available on the TMC YouTube page. Um, or you can reach out to Britt and John for additional um, information. This platform that we're on right now is TMC Connect. Uh, please come to uh, TMC's website and check our member events calendar. I've um, got lots and lots of uh, sessions for you. Next week, we've got uh, a session on Erla. We've also got a session on the DC pendulum switch shift and how uh, uh, the Democrats um, run government will um, affect banks and uh, independent mortgage bankers, uh, independent mortgage companies. So anyway, come back to uh, TMC Connect. We very much appreciate it. And Britt and John, once again, thank you guys very much um, for your expertise today. Um, give them a call if you need anything. Thank Thanks you so much. No, appreciate it. Y'all yeah. be safe. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.